1: Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: And welcome back. He is a political historian. He is someone that knows an awful lot about I think every president of the United States, more than their actual presidential libraries, know about them. He is Rich Rabino. He joins us this morning. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Brian. You're the only person I know that could walk into a presidential library and then tell the staff, "No, actually, that is not accurate," and would have to correct them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's—I don't know if that's a good thing or it shows you a monomaniacal brain, but whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, Iowa caucuses are going on. It's kind of a unique way to come up. I've heard, th- yeah, I've heard, that. I've heard that. So, uh, what's the history of that? When did they decide that was the best way to handle their business?
1: Yes, it's actually almost by happenstance more than anything else. After 1960 until 1968, for some backburn. The Democratic National Convention, Hubert Humphrey won the nomination. He didn't even announce his presidential candidacy until April until April 27th of that year. Didn't win any of the primaries. Eugene McCarthy had participated in the primaries. McCarthy supporters thought that he should win the nomination. So when Humphrey won the nomination, because he had the support of the high command of the party, there were basically riots in Grant Park. So after that, the Democratic Party decided they needed to democratize the process somehow, so that the people had more power. And one of the things was that you have to have these caucuses and primaries in these states. And Iowa, when they were trying to schedule theirs, actually because they had problems trying to find hotel rooms in Des Moines for their um, for their for their caucuses to set, uh, when they were going to schedule them, decided to schedule them earlier. So they scheduled them earlier than any other state. This would, this would seem irrelevant. This would seem like not a big deal. But Gary Hart was running George McGovern's campaign, and George McGovern was a two hundred to one long shot. And he came up with this idea. He said. If we focus on Iowa, and all of a sudden we do very well in Iowa, the media is going to pick up attention. Is going to pick this up, and the next day they're going to say, "How did this candidate do so well in Iowa?" So other candidates didn't really campaign too hard. Then McGovern did, and on election day, on caucus day, you had uncommitted first, and Ed Muskie second. Ed Muskie was the establishment candidate who was supposed to win, but then George McGovern came in third, and the next day Gary Hart was absolutely right. George McGovern garnered a lot of positive media attention and eventually won the nomination. After that happened in '72, Jimmy Carter followed the same strategy, beginning in early 1975 for the Iowa caucus and said, "I'm going to focus on Iowa too," and he did. And in 1976, he came in second to uncommitted. After that, he ended up going on to win the New Hampshire primary and landed up bringing the nomination. The Republicans saw what the Democrats were doing in Iowa and said, "Let's put ours. First, let's put ours first as well." And that's basically what happened. It's not that Iowa has some. It's not that Iowa has some special bond or anything like that. It was just basically because they were looking for, they couldn't find whole terms They decide they'd move it up first. Gary Hart was running McGovern's campaign and the rest is history. Wow. Isn't that something?
0: Uh, strategy, <laughs> how it. that all plays out. Uh, and part of the, the Iowa caucuses is, you know, we today have such a different news cycle when it comes to, yeah. you know, following candidates around. We're 24-7. We're on our phones. We're looking at, you know, news stories constantly. You would think in a way that since we're bombarded with all this other news that one place wouldn't still dominate all of the attention, but it does still, it's like, this is all we look at is the, for the very first one.
1: And that's, and it, and it really, what it does, it winnows out other candidates often, meaning that if someone doesn't come in, say the top three or four in Iowa, oftentimes they either drop out or they're essentially irrelevant. For example, back in 2008, Right after the day after the Iowa caucuses, Joe Biden and Chris Dodd drop out of the race. But interestingly, back in um, back in nineteen seventy six, Fred Harris, the senator from Oklahoma, was running and he was supposed to finish but finish toward the bottom. He finished in fourth place, so he said basically that Iowa has winnowed me in the process. we kinda won of up <laughs> the media. But it, it is very interesting that um, how much time, if you think about how much time the candidates spend in this state, they hope they're going to get momentum, they're going to get benefactors, and they're going to go on to New Hampshire. But if they don't do well in Iowa, oftentimes they're kind of written off by the media, written off by, by, um, by economic by economic benefactors, and they can certainly can continue on. They can do, they continue on to the convention if they want, but they're not necessarily going to be taken seriously if they don't at least come in the first three or four.
0: Yeah, I was probably happy about that. We have a similar story here in Detroit when it comes to the Lions and playing on Thanksgiving Day. Basically, no other team wanted (laughs) to play on Thanksgiving. But here they are. The Lions are like, fine, we'll do it. And then now they're part of the tradition in everyone's uh, homes on Thanksgiving Day. They are the game that they get to dominate at least for one day. Didn't matter how terrible they were. In the entire year, but they still get that Thanksgiving Day. At least they got that going for them. Iowa's got to feel that way as a state. They're like, oh, at least we got this going for us. Um, that's kind of a, a joke. But did, you know, Frank Luntz. I like by it, the way, I like it. Um, Frank uh, is it Luntz? He's the one that does a lot of polling for yeah. Fox and some other things. And he was on the other day, and they were asking about the demographic of who votes in the Iowa caucuses. And you know what he said about the Republican voters? He said the the average age of a Republican voter. That votes in the Iowa caucus is deceased. <laughs> that's their <laughs> average age. So they they talk about how the weather could impact moments like this. So is that really a thing during elections? They say that a poor weather day on an election day really impacts who could win in that election.
1: Yes, absolutely, and that's kind of the that's really the unknown variable. On the one hand, Donald Trump has more committed supporters. If you look at any poll his supporters upwards of 88 or 89% are very committed to him. And that's not the case necessarily with Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis or any of the other candidates. So theoretically that would mean that, okay, well, Donald Trump supporters are most likely to go out in the poll to go to the polls. Conversely, Donald Trump supporters are also older than other voters. So that might mean that and more and sometimes more rural than other voters. So if you're living out in a farm somewhere in Northern Iowa and it takes a long time to get to the schoolhouse or the library or or the or wherever they're having the caucuses, that the older voters might decide that it 's not worth taking the risk of going out. I guess that 's part of what a ground game is about, and part of what a ground game is about is finding these people who are potentially vulnerable and potentially driving them to the caucuses, specifically in those rural parts where Donald Trump is stronger. Um, Nikki Haley right now is stronger, for example, in urban parts, you might do better in places like Iowa City or Ames or Des Moines. And DeSantis also potentially could do do well in some of the rural parts as well. But that's really um it really that really is kind of the unknown uh the wild card here. Because it's not like by the way, in a primary, you can vote any time during the day. So you could wait theoretically till noontime when the when the sun's out, when the weather's the best, go and vote. But in the case of the Iowa caucuses, you have to vote at night. And when it's hundred when it's when it's below zero degrees, the last thing most voters want to do is go someplace to sit for three hours listening to um, listening to candidates running running for local office and running for delegates, and then and then having to and then and then choosing um, a presidential candidate. They might want to watch it at home instead. Right.
0: So with this, uh, going into Iowa, at least for the Republicans' sake, I know Donald Trump has a huge lead. So is everyone just waiting to see who comes in second for something like this? Or is there an outside chance there is some kind of, you know, the weather hits just at the right time and then the right voters get out right at the right time? A perfect storm where Donald Trump doesn't win the nomination. Well, not the nomination, but at least the uh, polling there.
1: I guess it's theoretically possible, but I really can't envision that scenario right now. I think more of the race is for second place. And don't discount second place at all, because if you think about it, this is a multi-candidate field. In 1984, Walter Mondale won 49% of the vote. Gary Hart Mm -hmm. came in second place with 17% of the vote. That gave him momentum. The next week, you had the New Hampshire primary, and because of the momentum, he got finishing second place. He won in New Hampshire, and the two the two candidates went all the way to the convention competing. So it's very important to come in second place. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis both know, I think, that they're not going to come in first place. But if Nikki Haley specifically can come in second place, then she then he might she might make Ron DeSantis appear irrelevant because then he go to New Hampshire where DeSantis has not spent much time campaigning, and then DeSantis, and then potentially Nikki Haley might actually win New Hampshire. But then after that, you're going to Florida and DeSantis thinks he can do better in Florida. He's probably he's going to spend more time campaigning there. And if Nikki Haley does not win her home state, um, I don't really see a scenario where she does, where she can win the nomination without. If the voters know her best, do not support her down there, do not support her in South Carolina. Um, it's hard to see a scenario where she will be able to win other states after that. If you look at it, Jerry Brown in 1992, governor of California, after he lost to Bill Clinton in his home state, he couldn't come back from that um, 2016, Marco Rubio in Florida, same scenario. 2020, Elizabeth Warren in Massachusetts, same scenario. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for $25 per line per month, with eligible trade-in when you switch.